Father, we pray that you would help us to really and truly have an encounter with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that you're drawing people to yourself. You say in your word that if Jesus is lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. And that's what we want to do as a church, is to lift high the name of Jesus in worship, to hear his voice through the pages of Scripture. God, we want to really know that we've met with you. So God, do a work in all of our hearts. Start with mine, the leaders. Move here, God, and do what only you can do. We pray, God, if there's a person in this seat here somewhere that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today they would know that they need him desperately, that they need to put their faith in him dying on a cross, being buried in the ground, and rising on the third day. And then the Spirit of God will come into them. So, Lord, do a mighty work as we listen to your word preached, as we give testimony to how great you are, we fellowship together as we love one another as a church, as we build each other up and encourage one another. All of that, Lord, may it always be vertical, first for your glory, then for the good of each of us. In Jesus' mighty name, in God's people's name. Amen. You may be seated. I think the last time I was in here, I was watching Star Wars. Let's take our Bibles go to Acts chapter 11. This is the first of two what we call soft launches here. And if, if you're new uh, today, we're just glad that you're here and God has brought you here for a reason, for a purpose. I want to go to Acts chapter 11 with you, verses 19 to 24. So take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 11. As we're singing the song about the spirit of the living God, the spirit of God dwells within a believer. Do you believe that? And so the spirit of the living God will speak, not just through a preacher, uh, but through each of us. And I'm just wondering, during worship, maybe the Spirit of God was saying something to you. Maybe the Spirit of God was saying, this is what God is going to do. This is what he is doing, or what he's going to do. Was anybody getting anything? You were worshiping, and you were sensing in your spirit that, that this is what the Spirit of God was saying to you as you were worshiping. Maybe that God was loving, that God was just, that he was holy. Anybody sense the presence of the Lord during worship? Raise your hand if you did. You sense the presence of the Lord. We're not talking about an over-emotionalism. We're just talking about a discernment. We're talking about uh, the Spirit of God that dwells within a Christian, and you know inside of your heart and your mind that God is here and he's doing something wonderful. Anybody else? Maybe the Spirit was speaking to you something about who God is. Anything else? Anybody else? Now's the time to get all the jitters out because on launch Sunday, this place will be full of people to the back. And, and it's, the church is going to change dramatically as far as new people coming. So it's, now's the time to kind of get that out of your system because it's a smaller group. What do you got, brother? Everything else can wait. Build on that a little bit if you, if you don't mind. 
be saying? The Lord was saying to you. You talk about like the priority of God in your life, priority of worship. That's awesome. We call that harvest vertical. Verticality, we're going vertical. I won't stop now if there's one more person that really senses they need to share. God is speaking to you during the worship. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. What's the secret of a growing and thriving church? That's the question. What's the secret? 80% of all church plants end in utter failure. They don't make it. Uh, the statistics are against us, but that's okay because God, God is for us, as he was saying, that there's something unusual and unique that's going on. And so we're going to talk about the hand of God being on a church. What is the secret to a growing and thriving church? 3,500 churches close their doors every year. They will close down. They will die. They, it'll, it'll be done with them as a local church. 80% of churches in our country have plateaued or are declining so what's the secret of a growing and thriving church? I have some books here. These are just some of the books I have on the church in my library. And there's probably another 40 or 50 up in Massachusetts in a box somewhere. But these are what I have now. Viral Churches, a good book on what causes the church to grow and thrive. Here's the title of a book called Slow Church. Now, we've made the church more complicated than it needs to be. And we need to simplify things. Here's one called Sticky Church. Interesting names, right? Larry Osborne wrote that. It's a good book. It talks a lot about small groups, and we have those here, and how you can have a sticky church. Here's one that really touched me, and, and I've used some of this material as I've preached around to different churches in Berkeley County that aren't doing well, and they're ready to close their doors. This one is called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And then this is one that all the, the leaders I'm having to read by Tom Rainier called Becoming a Welcoming so a lot of church books out there. What is the secret to Harvest Bible Chapel growing and thriving? And I'm going to try to persuade you and show you by the word of God that it has to be the mighty hand of God in power and in blessing on a church. That's what we see here in Acts chapter 11. We're going to launch in two weeks. That would be 14 days, right? 336 hours. 20,601 minutes. I didn't know if you knew this or not, and so we're just going to go over this. 1,209,600,000 seconds until we launch. And so what I want you to do is don't stand up, but just turn, if you can, turn around and look at the chairs that are behind you and going up the, the ramp there. Those are going to be filled on launch Sunday. And, and some of those people are going to be desperate in the need of Jesus Christ as their Savior because they have been walking in darkness. They don't know him. And God is raising up Harvest Reading to be a church, to give them the gospel so that they can be born again. Wouldn't that be awesome on that day? Maybe even today that somebody would get born again. We don't know. God will save whom he will save and when he will save them. It could be even today. So was it clever marketing that causes the church to grow and thrive? Is it creative branding? I am, I am a logo junkie. I don't know if you've noticed our amazing sound cart that is in the back that Dan Rissmiller and his team built. That has a logo on both sides of that thing. And every time I see that, I just want to bow down and worship. I mean, I, I don't want to, no. This isn't the golden calf. But I am all about branding. 
I am all about logos. We have some cool swag out there that we had put together. But that is not the secret to a growing and thriving church. The secret is an excellent programming. It's not a buffet of Bible study options. It's not a killer band. And although our worship team or band is, is smaller, they are phenomenally gifted. Would you agree with that? They are gifted. That was like a golf clap, really? Come on. <laughs> Did you hear the golf clap? Come on. That is not the secret. Scott knows this. We have conversation. That's not the secret. To filling this room, seeing people healed, seeing people born again, seeing the gospel go out, seeing Reading transformed, it's not a killer band or praise team. It's not branding. It's not programming. It's not Bible studies for every age, like a buffet. And I'm, I'm all for those. I really am. I'm not against it. Chapter 11, verse 21, if you'll take your eyes there, it's just talking about the church in Antioch. Here's the phrase that I got the title of this message from. The hand of the Lord was with them. Can we say that out loud? Ready? The hand of the Lord was with them. That's the title. This is the secret. This was used over in chapter 13, verses 1 to 11. You have Paul and Barnabas who are sent out on a missionary journey. And as they're doing ministry and as they're planting churches and making disciples, there was a magician. We're not going to go through all of these verses. There's a magician. That is not the guy who pulls rabbits out of that. This is the guy who's demon-possessed. This is the guy who's full of the devil himself. So the text is 13, 1 to 11. So Paul, or Saul, as he was called Paul in verse 9, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He intently looked at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand, listen to this, the hand of the Lord is upon you. What does that mean? That means the power of God is over this demon-possessed man. That doesn't mean he has the anointing of God in a spiritual, righteous, holy way. That means the power of God is stronger than the demon that is inside of him in trying to stop the forward movement of the gospel. The hand of the Lord. Exodus chapter 9 and verse 3, don't turn there. It's the fifth plague. Does anybody remember what the fifth plague is for all those who might have just gotten out of uh, Sunday school and flannel graphs and all of those things you remember? What was the fifth plague when God was coming up against Egypt? They were going to lose what? The livestock, right? All of their livestock. It says here in verse 3, Exodus 9, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague. The hand of the Lord. What is that? That's his power. That's his power. Now, if you go over to Luke chapter 1 in your mind's eye, don't turn there. Verse 66, John the Baptist, this phrase is also used of this man, and Jesus said he was the greatest man who ever lived. John the Baptist. Verse 66 says, for the hand of the Lord was with him. What's that mean? Not only the power of God, but the blessing of God. The blessing of God. So we're going to look at this. What was the saying that says on, on one hand and then on the other hand, right? And so on one hand is the power of God, the anointing of God, and the other hand is the, what? the blessing of God. You've got power, you have favor. Power, favor. Power and blessing. Here's the secret that the church in Antioch had. This is why things happened out of Antioch to the rest of the world when it comes to Gentile Christianity. And you and I fall into that. We are Gentile Christians. And if it wasn't for the church in Antioch, having the hand of God, can you imagine? Can you imagine in Reading? 
And there's a lot of good churches in Redding. But we're not implying that we're the only church within even one of the newer churches. But can you imagine the hand of God on this church like it was on Antioch? And how many Gentiles, how many Gentiles would be in Redding and Greater Redding? Thousands upon thousands who don't know Jesus. And wouldn't it be awesome to see mass conversions where people are bowing before Christ and getting their life right before him and it spreads throughout the whole city like it did in Antioch and to the rest of the world. It can happen. Let me give you four of the truths that we're going to look at in the text. So go to Acts chapter 11. I want to look through some of these verses with you about this tremendous church in Antioch. Here's number one if you want to write these down. You'll see them on the proclaim and on the screen behind me. God will position his people using painful circumstances for the communication of the gospel, conversion of people, and the planting of churches. Can anybody try to memorize that and tell me what I just said? This is an unusual long point that I make. I don't usually do longer points like this, but it's in the text, verse 19 to verse 20a, or the first half of verse 20. Would you look at the verses? Now, I'm in chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word, the word of God to no one except who? Jewish people. So you have the church, people being born again in what city? The city of God, which is known as what? Jerusalem. And so you have this mass conversion, churches being built from Jerusalem. You have some persecution that erupts, and it's all circling around Stephen and the stoning of Stephen. But then you have this scattering of these believers. They're traveling up into Phoenicia, which is a region, Tyre and Sidon, a couple of cities up in that area. Cyprus, you'd have to take a boat over to get to Cyprus. And then you had these people that kept traveling north. They kept going up, up, up into Antioch. And in Antioch, they started to meet together and, and others were getting born again and Jesus was being preached and ch churches were being planted. This is what's happening here. There's persecution. There's circumstances that are hard, that are difficult, but people are being converted. I don't know if you found this to be true or not. But during your hardest circumstances in life, you will be some of your greatest fruit. Think about that. I, didn't, I would never have dreamed that in my greatest pain my wife and I would go through. That the gospel would go out as far as it has. That people would be touched by God. When we were going through all of that, I was like, God, stop this from happening. I don't like it. I, don't, I, don't, I just can't deal with this. Lisa and I would cry tears. And we would be like in the furnace and the fires of affliction. We'd be like, God, this is too hard. The circumstances are overwhelming. Ten years later, 11 years later, I can look back and go, wow, God, you do use painful circumstances for the advancement of the gospel, for the conversion of people, and for the building of churches. Watch that happen in your own life. I had a guy come up to me recently. He has immense pain he's going through, difficulty and hardship. I said, here's where God's going to speak to you the loudest. Be listening because it's going to happen. And he's going to use that to position you in different places, different people's lives, so that you're giving out the gospel and you're sharing Jesus and your testimony is going to be so strong that you're going to see people touched by God, the hand of God. Antioch's an interesting city. It was founded in 300 B.C. It's the capital city. It's the third largest in the world at the time. Does anybody think they know what the largest city in the ancient world was at the time of this writing? What would be the largest city in the world? the time. Yeah, it was Rome. Rome is number one. Alexandria, which is in Egypt, is number two. And Antioch. Historians say that Antioch 
corrupted Rome. <laughs> Think about that. Rome is corrupt, if you know history. Antioch corrupted Rome. This is a tough city. 600,000 people are in Antioch. The goddess of, uh, named Daphne was there, and they had gardens. And what happened in those gardens is they weren't planting tulips, and they weren't planting geraniums in this garden. What they were doing was mass orgies was happening, and, and sexual prostitution was happening in these gardens in the city of Antioch. This was a corrupt city. But this is a city that God positioned his people from Jerusalem, moving up into Phoenicia, and, and Tyre, Sidon, and all these other areas, and Cyprus, and those people kept going. Who were those people that kept going? That's like persecution happening here in Reading, and we start heading north, right? We're going to leave Reading. We're going to go head north, and we're going to end up in Allentown, maybe. And some of you stop in Allentown. And then there's others that want to keep going. And where do we end up? We end up somewhere up in the Poconos, you know? And we start planting churches up there and start meeting together. That's what was happening here. This is a phenomenal church plant. But they're going and moving, and they had been originally from Jerusalem, preaching only to the Jews. Why is this such a big deal? Why were they preaching only to Jews? And now they transition, they get to Antioch, and there's some of these anti-institutional people. They're out-of-the-box thinkers. This is who was in Antioch. These are believers. These are believers like you that said, you know what? This, this is not just about the Jews. This is about Gentiles meeting Jesus. And so it says in the text that they're preaching Jesus. It doesn't say they're preaching Christ. Christ wouldn't have made sense to Gentiles. To Jewish people, Christ as the Messiah would have made sense. Preaching Jesus to a Gentile would have made better sense. Very wise, whoever these anti-institutional, out-of-the-box thinkers were. But they're preaching Jesus, and Gentiles start getting born again. Well them that was phenomenal because they didn't think a gentile could believe on christ there was a lot of a lot of prejudices a lot of things that the jewish christians had to overcome and so you remember that in this front section of chapter 11 verses 1 to 18 peter gets a vision and peter gets a vision of the sheep that has all these different kinds of animals and all of the animals represent different kinds of people groups that are going to hear the gospel and be born again and so when peter gets this vision and and uh, he, he, he has a hard time with this whole transition out of Jewish Christianity into Gentile Christianity, but God gave him a vision that helped him. Listen, that is like, listen, that is like a Patriots, a Patriots fan. Man, I don't know if you've ever been up to Gillette Stadium. You go into Gillette Stadium as an Eagle fan, and you could get, like, stoned. You could get, like, tilled. Those guys are incredibly intense. And I know how intense Eagles fans are, right? Especially after winning, right? And so imagine a Patriots they come down. What's the name of the stadium that the, the Eagles play? I don't even know what the name of the stadium is. What's the name of the stadium? Lincoln Financial. Okay, so a Patriot fan, New England, they leave up there. Now, you, you got to understand, I've been in New England 30 years, so these people are nuts. I mean, I'm serious. You go up there, and they'll kill you if, if they find out you're an Eagles fan. So they come down, and they, they're just like, give it to the top 10 Patriot fans in New England, and they come down into Lincoln Field, and they're standing there, and, of course, the place is packed with all of us, right? We're champions. You know, we're Eagles fans here. And then they get the microphone and they start declaring, we are not Patriots fans anymore, but we are Eagles fans. And what are you guys going to do? You're not going to cheer right away. You're going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't trust them. There is no way a Patriot could become an Eagles fan. Magnify that a thousand times. A thousand times. A Gentile becoming a Christ follower. And you have a bunch of people that are going like, whoa, there is no way. Peter gets the vision. 
the radical, out of the anti-institutional, out-of-the-box thinkers start preaching Jesus, Gentiles start getting born again. It's amazing. God is positioning our church. He has positioned our church. We are here at the Fox for a reason. We were at Burke's for a reason. Would you agree with that? And God's going to position you to speak to somebody about Jesus Christ. Family. Friends. And he's using tough times. Hard circumstances. Embrace all of that. Number two. We're talking about the hand of God. How do you know that the hand of God is on a church or a person? God will provide, number two, he will provide his people with the power to preach, leading to massive impact. Look at verse 20, second half of verse 20. You'll see, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Here's those out-of-the-box thinkers. Here are these people that are wanting to preach Jesus. And who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, that's Greek-speaking Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So you have this mass conversion. You have people turning to the Lord. Why? Because the hand of God was on them. This is a large crowd that's becoming Christians. This is a lot of people that are wanting Jesus Christ as their Savior. Listen, everyone's a preacher, but you not, might not be a pastor. Zach, you're a preacher. But you're, you're not a pastor. You might be Sunday, but you're not a pastor. But you're a preacher. Everybody's a preacher. We're proclaimers. We have the message, we have the truth, and now we give it out. We explain it, we live it. We talk to people about Jesus. What we have here is these people that are preaching Jesus and massive amounts of people are becoming Christians. There is a power that's on them. There's a heavenly touch. Some would call it a baptism. I like that. There's a falling of the Spirit of God. Not just in a song, Spirit of the Living God, Spirit of the Living God. This is, this is more than just words coming out of our mouth through a song. This is power and a blessing that is falling on us to be able to preach Jesus to the people that we love. This is what they had. This is why the church in Antioch is doing some phenomenal things. It's like a light switch. If you look at a light switch, there is nothing happening inside of a dark room until you actually take that light switch and flip it and turn it and then the power connects and the light comes on the power in our life you have the power of god working in your life you have a son you have a daughter that needs jesus that hasn't walked in close do you need the power of god how do you flip the switch how do you flip the switch inside of your life so that the power flows through you and then all of these people's lives will be impacted like we see in antioch how does that happen you won't see it on the screen i just want to add these to the the outline. Know the cost of following Christ. Number one, letter A rather. Know the cost of following Christ. These people knew that it was costing them possibly their lives. We are living in comfortable Christianity. We are, we are fat and sassy in America. There are people dying all over the world for their faith in Jesus. And it's probably harder to be a Christian here than it is in Afghanistan or Pakistan. Really. China. Letter B, keep moving forward. God is moving you, he's positioning you. He wants you to keep pro progressing, pressing into him, moving forward with him. And then letter C, kneel and be dependent in the power of God. Yeah. Number three, hand of God. God will promote his people 
to encourage and edify other churches. Verses 22 and 23. Look at it. Take your eyes to the text. Verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. I love that, the report. I mean, there's no internet. There's no social media. There's no Facebook. There is nothing. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So they hear that the Gentiles are becoming Christians. That mass conversion is happening. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God, and he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man. Number three is God will promote his church. He will promote Harvest Reading. If we promote ourselves, if we elevate ourselves, if we exalt ourselves, if we point the direction to ourselves, it's not ever going to work here at this church, ever. But if we can truly lift up the name of Jesus, Really keep our motive as pure as possible. Then it's possible. God shows up, his mighty hand to save and to change lives. And here we see it in here that these people were, were promotion, promotion was from God. The anointing was from God. God was raising them up. The news gets back to Jerusalem. They send Barnabas to check on things. And he sees the grace of God saving Gentiles. He already saw the grace of God saving Jews in Jerusalem. Now he's seeing the grace of God saving Gentiles in Antioch. So he's sent. He's a good man. He's a guy that can be trusted. And he goes to Antioch to do all of this research, to see them, to build them up, to encourage them, and to keep going in the mission, which leads to number four. God will prepare his people with what they need to fulfill the mission. Verse 24. We'll end here. Verse 24. Notice. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Here's why Barnabas was such a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit. He was a man who had been prepared by God ahead of time. And God always prepares his people. He always prepares. In other words, something's going to happen to somebody's life here. This is not a prophecy. Something's going to happen to you. It's coming. It's around the corner. It's a year from now. It's going to be something physical. It's going to be something maybe emotional, maybe relational. Something's going to fall apart financial collapse, whatever's going to happen, but you are being prepared now for what's coming. God is going to do that for you. He did it in the life of Barnabas. Even before he went to Antioch, he's being prepared. And he gets there, and he wants the mission to continue, and God wants the mission to continue. He wants the gospel to keep going forward. And so we're being prepared. When tragedy hit my wife's in my life 11 years ago, we looked back a year previous, and then we could see that God was doing something in our heart and life even before the tragedy even happened. So rest assured, God sovereignly knows. God knows. He's going to do the work of preparation. And he's going to make sure that Harvest Reading is prepared. He's already prepared many of us for this day. Coming on the 25th is our launch officially. We've been prepared for this. Some of you are thinking, I'm so nervous. It's scary. Are you nervous? People ask me, are you scared about this launch? Honestly, there's not too much fear about it. There's not too much fear. Don't have anxiety in your heart about launch. Just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with it. We're going to honor him. We're going to glorify him. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about the leaders. It's not about our name. It's not about a cool sound cart. It's not about the programming. It's not about the branding. It's not about the Bible studies. It's about it's the hand of God.
uh, put your hand on your kid. Put your hand on your kid. Your power. Your Before we worship, close our service. What are some things that you think that we should pray about? What do you think that we need to pray about going into launch? We have two weeks. What would be some good prayer requests? We're going to have a moment of prayer before we close What do you think they would be? Prayer requests, two weeks out, launch on the 25th, 9.30. What comes to your mind? What would they be? He's listening to the message. <laughs> it ha- happens when you sit in the second row. The further you go back, the more you fall asleep and the more you doze off. So it, it pays to move forward to the front. The hand of God, yes. What, what should specifically, maybe we go a little bit more specific. Yes. The ladies are working through a book to talk about brokenness. That we would be a people here that are broken before God. That we would see people meet Jesus. Right? What else? Restoration of, what was that, Brenda? Just in general, restoration. There's a lot of relationships that need to be restored. Anything else? We're going to pray for you. What a sense of God to We prayed this our team at 9 o'clock before we got here. We need a sense of God. Worship team is going to lead us in one more song. Let's pray. Pray some of these out. Pray with me as I pray out loud.